Assalamualaikum. Welcome to episode 3 of the Afghan Brief, where we will be looking at the latest news from Afghanistan in 15 minutes. I'm your host, Sangar Paikar, and I'm joined by my co-host, Ahmad Walid Kakar. Big news coming from Afghanistan, Sangar. So, without further ado, I'll press the timer and we'll get started. So, Sangar, big news a 3,000 man strong, literally man strong, gathering in Kabul to be convened tomorrow. What do we know? So, uh, a few months ago, the spokesman for the Islamic Emirate of Afghanistan, Zabiullah Mujahid, said that there will be a lawyer jirga in near future. And a lawyer jirga, for those of you who don't know what it is, please refer back to an earlier podcast of ours about the lawyer jirga, where we discussed this matter in detail. So everyone was expecting this government to organize a lawyer jirga, but now we see that there is an event that is being marketed as a conference of Islamic scholars. I have seen some messages from Afghanistan, from different uh, sources, uh, where uh, basically the selection was made for this event of people who are Islamic scholars or have supported or are in in agreement with the Islamic Emirate uh, or the Taliban movement in the last 20 to 25 years. So... Those are the things that I have gathered so far. Uh, now, you have also obviously been uh, monitoring this whole uh, development. Uh, what do you make out of it? Uh, well, I think there are a couple of issues here. So we were told about lawyer jirga, lawyer jirga, and which is essentially the standard way in which legitimacy is conferred upon anyone trying to embody the Afghan state. But when you look at sort of the displays and the posters that have been made, it says the Afghanistan lawyer Runda, which is not a lawyer jirga, which is a grand gathering of Afghan of Afghanistan's religious scholars, or in Farsi, it's Gard Afghanistan. So essentially, the word lawyer jirga is missing, which is weird because it's the posters refer specifically to a gathering of the ulama. And now I'm going to read to you the same man's tweet, Zabiullah Mujahid, who said, تعداد كثير از علمای کرام از مقام رهبری امارت اسلامی با اصرار زیاد خواهان دایر نمودن یک گرد همایی بودند. As in, a large number of religious scholars were requesting the gathering or uh, the gathering of a sit-in from the Islamic Emirate. رهبری امارت اسلامی نیز خواست آنها را پذیرفته و آن قریب یک گردمایی بزرگ علماء در کابل دایر می‌گردد. And then he goes on to say, بساس خواست تقاضای مردم دایر می‌گردد. پس از هر ولایت و ولسوالی تعداد زیادی از علمای کرام و سران قومی در آن اشتراک خواهند نمودند. So he's saying that from every district and from every province a large number of religious scholars and tribal elders 
will participate, which begs the question, if tribal elders are participating, then it's not a gathering for the ulama. So why is it being called a large gathering of ulama? Which goes on to beg the question, why not just call it a lawyer jirga? Is there some sort of problem with the... I mean, for Afghans, the symbolism is always important. And in terms of our national identity and how government legitimizes itself, the lawyer jirga is the panacea. Even the Americans, even the Americans paid homage to the lawyer jirga, even though it was a sham and they paid whichever delegates, whatever, for whichever goal. But, you know, even in the last 20 years of occupation, in fact, it was legitimized on the basis uh, of a lawyer jirga. So, so there's that. And then there's secondly, the fact that lawyer jirgas are convened to select or elect a leader, but the emir is not there. I mean, Ahmad Shah Baba was elected by a jirga. Uh, you know, even Amir Abdurrahman was elected, funnily enough, by a jirga of people in northern Afghanistan, not the south. Uh, so you, where is the Amir? What is going on here? And then there's obviously the controversy that's emerged over uh, the lack of women. 3,000 people will participate. Not a single one will be a woman or at least will not identify as a woman. Okay, so uh, you have mentioned very important uh, points about this event. Um, let me just start off with this. What do you make out of the fact that no women are participating? So when it comes to women's participation, I think it's a, definitely a very good point to make that the lack of women's participation is a stain on the jirga, not just because they comprise you know, half of society and you know, all of the stuff that we usually hear, but also because the issues with which the country is confronted directly impact women as far as girls' schools go, as far as the varying level of restrictions go. It definitely is a valid criticism. Uh, however, and there is, there is a however, after two decades, maybe you could say even four decades of wars largely perpetuated on the pretext of or driven by the aim of increasing women's political participation, I'm not really surprised that there is not a single woman this, attending this gathering. Um, the idea of women's political participation itself is and has been politicized and as a result represents the ancien regime. It's now tainted. The likes of uh, Mariam Suleiman Khil, Fawziya Kufi, Shukriya Barakzai, Sima Samar, with all of the baggage that they came with, have put the nail in the coffin for the foreseeable future of the idea of women's political participation. So it's, you know, in that sense, it's similar to the way in which the Republic, despite all of its attempts to brandish religious Islamic credentials, never implemented the hudud, the Islamic capital punishment, because the idea of hudud itself had become politicized, perhaps inadvertently by the Taliban who preceded the Republic. So I feel like a lot of these calls for women's participation are motivated by good, and it's a valid point to make. At the same time, I feel that they are ignoring how tainted that idea of sort of symbolic women's represent representation uh, has become at large, and the fact that current government isn't really going to play ball by it. What do you say? I would say, you know, there are a few things that we need to bear in mind. First and foremost, historically, prior to the advent of these governments, like the uh, governments under uh, occupation, uh, 
we didn't have women's participation in jirgas. Uh, that's from from a historic perspective. That's one thing. But so it was the, the exception, not the norm. Exactly. So if they're going to say Aloya Jirga and they don't invite women because they are being traditional and conservative and whatnot, then okay, that's that's their argument. But then if they're going to call it a gathering of Islamic scholars. Well, if, if if you study uh, Islam, then you know that uh, we also have Islamic scholars who are women. So, if it's a gathering of Islamic scholars, then obviously there are also women who are Islamic scholars. There are a few hundred of them just in Kabul. So, why aren't they uh, invited? So, that's that's another criticism. But... I would also say, you know, the thing that you mentioned about the Amir not participating, we're not really sure that the Amir is not participating. There are uh, reasons to believe that this may be the first actual uh, appearance of uh, Haibatullah Khunzada, the Amir, uh, in public. So we will see. We'll see tomorrow what's going to happen. Um, uh, how would you say? Uh, how how would you explain the fact that uh, this event is being advertised as a uh, gathering where they will consult and talk about, but they don't really mention what is exactly on the agenda? What do you make out of that? I feel it's uh, the ambiguities are just the way of maximizing room for maneuver. So. You know how in the West, in democracies, we have um, we have politicians notorious for making promises that they don't deliver. Well, we don't have a democracy in Afghanistan, and so you don't need to make promises uh, that you fail to deliver on. Uh, what you do is you just keep things vague, and in the instance that when you deliver something, you just announce on Twitter, good news is coming tomorrow, right? <laughs> That is that is the the model of uh, statecraft which uh, we're currently at. So, because when you say we'll discuss women's education, and when you say we'll discuss economic development and so on, it it sort of engenders that appetite for those things, and people will then ask, "Well, what happens?" And if you come out of this jirga or this majlis of ulama, and you say yes, women's education is good, we're working on it with technical issues. Uh, <laughs> there are still technical issues with uniforms that we're working on. I feel like people will riot. So I think it's just a way of avoiding people's expectations, keeping it bland. And in the instance that you manage to do something well, you come out on Twitter, like I said, and you say, good news is coming. <laughs> okay, so there is one more thing. Um, we still have a few minutes, right? Yes. All right. Okay. So, um, when you do a jirga in a more traditional sense, what happens is that a lot of elders get together and they talk and talk and talk until they reach a consensus about a particular issue. So, there is no time limit. Okay. For a real jirga, proper jirga, and I, I must say, I have actually tried to study this stuff. 
there is no time limit. There's no time limit. So there is an issue that needs to be resolved and they will talk. And sometimes those talks lead to maybe nine, 10, 11 days. Mm-hmm. And then they reach a consensus and then they say, okay, the Jirga has reached a consensus and now this, that, that. Here we see uh, that it, it, it reveals that there is a time limit. So if there is a time limit, then it means that they also have a list of points that they want to discuss. They have already written those points down and they will bring it to each table where uh, 10 or 15 uh, elders are sitting, and they will say, you guys, these points, you need to uh, reach a consensus and you need to reach a um, a collective uh, stance on this matter. And a few people will climb up on the stage and they will have a monologue and they will talk to the gathering. But after three days then they will say, these are the points that we have reached and these are the agreements that we have. So, if I, if I study everything that I've heard and what I see and what I expect, I would say that this whole event is actually meant to create internal consi- uh, consensus among the support base of the Taliban movement which is now the Islamic Emirate of Afghanistan. They're building consensus among their own uh, support base, you know, their own supporters. And since they have invited people from all around the country, they also convey a message to the rest of the world. Look, we're not just a group. We have people from all around the world, uh, all around the country, people from all ethnic backgrounds, people from all provinces. They're all represented here and they all agree with these certain points and then those very controversial matters that have been causing a lot of issues in afghanistan such as women's education maybe inshallah we hope that we will finally be relieved from this drama of the last 10 months after this event that's what i hope i'm not i'm not saying that that's going to happen i'm not going to make any uh, predictions but that's what i hope Inshallah. Yeah, and just another thing as well. Uh, uh, so with regard to how it's been framed, you know, just to wrap up, because we have one minute, so I'm going to be super quick here. So we're being told it's a scholar's council, but both Zabiullah Mujahid and Bakhtar News Agency are saying that the heads of tribes or tribal elders will be present, which means that it's not solely a gathering of religious scholars. Bakhtar News Agency actually calls it a lawyer jirga. And speaking of the issues uh, that you refer to, it says that, you know, that Hudud is Seazar Alimuddin, Wabuzurgana Akwam. So 3,000 tribal elders and religious scholars will gather uh, and they will talk. Which means that they will discuss issues, formative issues for the country and the people to discuss, exchange opinions, and make a decision. I hope that happens, but otherwise, I think just even in terms of what to call this jirka, it just reflects um, rather poor organization. And uh, inshallah, things do. Mat- My timing wasn't bad. Okay. Uh, 
So, but yeah, just to finish that sentence, inshallah, this is a means by which, flawed as it is, that the uh, you know pressing issues of Afghanistan, like you said, the drama of the last ten months is finally resolved. And uh, that was the third episode of the Afghan Brief, where we bring you the latest, most important news from Afghanistan in 15 minutes. Sangar, uh, do you want to finish and uh, wrap up the uh, episode? Because I kind of... Thank you all for listening and make sure that you leave a review wherever you find our podcast, whether it's on Spotify, Google or Apple Podcasts or maybe Amazon Music. Make sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel. If you like our work and you would like to support our work, please visit our Patreon page or our PayPal page. Uh, The links are in the description. Uh, Thank you all. Until next time, take care of yourself and each other. Assalamu alaikum. Wa alaikum assalam.